0: Welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Tal, and with me here today is Mr. Bamason!
1: Oh my god, I were hoping you I was hoping you wouldn't do
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's like my favorite gif. Oh, that that's is the not... that's hey, listen, it's the best thing to come out of the Matrix Resurrections, and I, I'm not joking when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still well, haven't watched it. <laughs> well, good, don't. It's 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 bad. But uh look, we we could talk about an embarrassing uh legacy nostalgia beatty sequel made by Warner Brothers, but we instead have to talk about a different embarrassing legacy sequel nostalgia beatty cash grab sequel made by uh Warner Brothers instead. Uh well, this isn't really a sequel. Who cares? It's the Flash. We're talking about the Flash. The Flash. The Flash. It's Flash in Time. Uh he flashed the the children. <laughs> <laughs> uh I have been looking forward to this for a long time.
1: A long Ooh. time.
0: Like Honestly, honestly, I mean, let's be real. A Flash movie was always going to happen. You know, DC was always going to make something with Ezra Miller's Flash eventually. But I wasn't truly excited for this until everybody else started to think it was going to be bad because that's when my interest went up. I was like, all right, <laughs> here we go. Like, we're about to experience a shitstorm that we've never, ever seen before. But yeah, you know, before we get into all that, Bamson, let's start things off. What did you think of The Flash 2023? i thought it was not great <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm shocked and, uh, shocked shocking uh i disagree with james gunn and for some fucking reason tom cruise yeah uh it's not the greatest superhero movie of all time but then again it is not like it's not like suicide squad where it's like horrible
0: but it's like not great overall yeah. <laughs> How could James Gunn lie to us? The head of DC. Why would he not say it's the best thing? Why would he say it's the best thing in the world? I just can't wrap my head around that.
1: You really think someone would do that? Just
0: (laughs) go on the internet and tell lies? Unheard of. I really can't fathom that. Yeah, no. Unbelievable. Yeah, no. I'm with you. It's bad. It's not very good. I, I was really expecting, like a gigantic failure and in ways it is a gigantic messy failure that i wholeheartedly am just baffled by um but i can't really say like you said it's not suicide squad levels i really can't say this is like the worst movie i've ever seen in my life like yeah there there's like good stuff in it (laughs) yeah i think yeah i think there's nuggets of good stuff and nuggets of hilariously bad stuff um and so i can't really say yeah no and i mean that's taking into account the dceu's track record i mean listen there have been some real bad movies in this franchise um oh yeah (laughs) so the badness i guess maybe that's a part of it it's like the badness is not really all that shocking um when you get down to it because listen, this is the same franchise as Suicide Squad and Justice League and Black Adam. So, like, you know, we're kind of used to these awful, awful movies that have nothing going for them in the slightest when it comes to, like, actually being good. Um, With that said, it does do some things that are much worse than what we've seen in the DCEU. And, I mean... I don't know, it's it's weird, you know? It's just such a weird movie that you're kind of just confused as to what it's actually trying to do. Because um, it's trying to be a reboot in real time. Like, it's trying to reset everything, so then moving forward we have a different universe for DC. But, you know, the universe that it was a part of beforehand, the Snyderverse slash DCEU was never really that consistent anyway so you're like okay how is this different than what we've seen before you know what i'm trying to say
1: yeah like i don't think this i knew for like i don't think this is like the movie that's gonna reboot the dceu i think they're just gonna completely start from scratch with superman legacy Mm -hmm. because like there's spoilers for the flash for any of you for any of you that um uh there's no way they're gonna keep george clooney as batman in brave in the Bull. (laughs)
0: well i thought that was mostly just a joke like you know just him showing up i thought that was just a joke but oh yeah no,
1: it was (laughs) uh, there's no fucking way they're gonna keep him around
0: no fucking way absolutely not um well let's what i want to start off things with at the very beginning um maybe even like before the beginning actually let's talk about like the absolute build up to this movie um, so like I was saying like you know <clears throat> Flash was always going to have a movie um, and it's like okay whatever and then like rumors started coming out that like it was going to be a Flashpoint movie and it's like okay that would be kind of cool because Flashpoint is kind of a cool story for Flash um, yeah. then a little movie called No Way Home came out and DC saw that and was like, holy shit, we need one of those for us. And thus, they were like, hey, we can do that with the Flashpoint movie. So it's like, okay, great, now it's just going to be a cameo fest. Fantastic. And it's like, uh, great, I'm so looking forward to that. But then, then, oh, baby... Mm. The Ezra Miller debacle started. (laughs) Um,
1: Debacles plural. Debacles plural. Like he had he had debacles like way before the big ones because like he yeah and like I remember in like 2020 he beat up someone and he he I think he choked a fan.
0: Yeah, he like choked a fan. Caught it on they got it on camera because the fan was just like. I don't remember the whole story, but he's just like, oh, you know, I can choke you. It's like, wh- what a weird interaction that was. Um,
1: yeah, really, sure it's just,
0: a, surely it's a one-time thing. Yeah, surely it's a one-time thing. Uh-oh. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Then, I mean, the, the, the short of it is that, you know, Ezra just went on a whole crime spree in Hawaii and was on the run and just beating up people throwing chairs at karaoke singers it was a whole he kidnapped someone they kidnapped someone it was a whole it was a whole other movie in and of itself um just this absolute psychopath just losing their mind going on this uh tread of debauchery um and well let's be real that's kind of not good. And so when Warner brothers uh, realized that they can't just hide all this, they're just like, well, shit, there goes uh, one of our biggest movies because our main actor is going on a crime spree. And so that's around the time that I actually was like very much looking forward to the flash. Not because (laughs) obviously I'm not an advocate for going on a crime spree in Hawaii. Let me just say that right now. But, like, that's when I knew, holy shit, they're not canceling The Flash. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep it going because they've put so much time and effort into this. But, like, nobody's going to want to go see a movie with a dude like Ezra Miller as the main character unless they really do something spectacularly insane. And that's when I was like, holy shit, this Flash movie is going to be something special. You know, because... You know the 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 whole uh, Flash movie beforehand was going to be a cameo fest. Let's be real. Like after something like No Way Home, DC was going to do that, but worse. But now they were def. I knew they were going to amp it up to like eleven this time because it's like they are so desperate for their W that they will do anything, and not just the Flash stuff. You know, Black Adam was just such an embarrassing flop that Warner Brothers just needed something so like and obviously the past 10 years have not really helped their uh you know it hasn't really helped their status in the studio among the studios so like of course just all of these different things coming together to really push the flash to be that big hit that they need and it's still failed like mm. This is insanity. I have never seen a movie uh like this being this big of a failure on this level. Like it's fascinating. I am the sc- the scale is just huge. It's so it's just... huge. It's so huge. Like this is honestly like considering the amount of effort that went into pushing this thing, it's bi- much bigger of a failure than Morbius was, I would think. Um <laughs> I mean, cause really think about it. Morbius failed because it had nothing. Whereas this failed despite it having everything. Like everything in this movie could have pushed it to being such a huge hit, but it still failed. Like that's the that, that that's is wild. that needs to be studied in future film classes for like, sure. This 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 needs to be like
1: analyzed and how not to market and make a movie. Yeah. It's it's just it's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a car accident. You can't really look away.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you can't. We should get into specifics of like why this is such a failure. So, let's start off with the very first scene where Barry is saving a bunch of falling babies out of a hospital. <laughs> it's literally a baby shower oh my
1: god they, they make it... that pun they make that pun in the movie oh did they i missed that but you know yeah, what like I... <laughs> when the babies first fall out of the window alfred is like there's a baby and then uh as and then i almost said ezra uh fuck
0: it ezra says
1: shower <laughs>
0: that is so unfunny it comes back around to being funny and I mean honestly that whole sequence first of all shot terribly just awful awful CGI you know as is expected but like man it was it was art man just watching Ezra Miller in this rubbery CGI suit running at top speed going to Save these babies, just throwing them in the air, punching a vending machine, eating a bunch of shit, putting that baby in the microwave. I was like, my God, this is modern art. It was fantastic. I loved every second of it. I was crying. It was so funny. I sh- I I was crying and I came and I shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of those things. It was beautiful. And don't forget! Don't forget when he put the baby in the microwave. <laughs> it was it was glorious. It was so glorious. I was like, my God! Somebody animated this thing. Well. I'm sure the animators were animating it, being like, "My God, I'm being paid a penny for this, and this is what it looks like, and I'm going to get." No, the plan. somebody wrote
1: this in the somebody first place. Somebody wrote this.
0: Yeah, somebody wrote this, thinking that was going to be an epic scene or hilariously epic. I don't know. It was in some ways, but not in the way that they thought. Like that's what makes it just such a fantastic sequence for me. Like it was, it was beautiful. I was like, "My God," just watching. Ezra Miller, known psychopathic criminal, putting a baby in a microwave in a major Hollywood studio movie. There's something special about that. There really is. It's
1: magical. It's It's magical. magical.
0: Yeah. And then the rest of the movie happens, and you're just like, sometimes there's something really funny, but then other times it's like, wow, this is trying to be real? Okay, I guess that's kind of commendable, but at the same time, I kind of you know, wants you to be as crazy as possible but whatever you know the rest of the movie's fine i don't know. What, what did you think of uh you, you talk about a scene that you thought was fine or whatever <laughs> um i thought some
1: of the action was when the effects were properly done i thought some of the action was pretty fun yeah like, um like i thought the desert fight scene where um Uh, the two berries were like beating up the Kryptonian army that was pretty fun and it Mm. was very visually well done especially like I mentioned this uh, before but like uh, the different colors of like the lightning how original berry is like orange and yellow and the other berries like blue it creates like a really good contrast
0: yeah Um, Yeah, I thought
1: that was really visually well done uh Really I thought <laughs> I thought Supergirl was pretty good, mostly because I simp for the actress Sasha Cow- uh, Sasha Cal. Cow- Cow- I have no idea how to say her name, but my God, she is.
0: <clears throat> I'm gonna be honest. I really did not know what to think of Supergirl. Like, I was. You know, expecting her to be more of a major character and then she kinda just shows up and does nothing. I'm like, oh they didn't even really try with her, did they? Like whoa. Yeah,
1: she beats up Zod for like a good five minutes and then she like dies several yeah. times.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, wow, what a what a use for a character. Like it was just so dumb you know like who is this character also how does the timeline line up with her cuz it's like okay she was sent to um like track down uh clark or no was she sent at the same time as clark cuz like well um... she would have had to have been because krypton was then destroyed but like she's the same age but also older but also like clark was already found by zod but like how did Zod, why does Zod, like, go to uh, Earth, like, at that time? Like, the timeline does not make <laughs> any sense. Um, I think
1: it's because, um, like, you know how in the original Man of Steel, uh, they need Kalel for his, like, codec and his blood Yeah, to terraform? Um, in this timeline, I don't think uh, baby kal had that codec, and I think he came to Earth because Supergirl had it.
0: Right, well, so, but he says, like, we need Kal-El for the Kodak, but then he says, we already found Kal-El, he did not have the Kodaks in his blood, it's like, okay, so then you didn't need Kal-El, it was, so, so okay, so, Supergirl was, her her role was that she was sent to track down Kal-El and oversee him, that was never established in Man of Steel, I'm, okay, maybe it's a different timeline, sure, Yeah. But then, okay, what was the point of sending Kal-El out if he didn't have the Codex in him, and the Codex was instead in Supergirl? What is? How does that make any sense? Like, what was the point of sending Kal-El then? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Look, I never thought I'd say this, but Man of Steel explained this a little better. <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, so stupid, but you know, the foundation needs to be built on something. And <laughs> yeah, then... <laughs> terrible CGI skulls. Um, uh, you know, can we just get right into talking about Michael Keaton? Sure, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah,
1: he sure uh, was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he sure was. Um, I honestly have nothing to say about him. Um, I I thought, (laughs) I thought the scene where he first puts on the Batman suit, where he like walks into the Batcave. I thought he
0: looks really fucking stupid. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, he does. Well, so this kind of ties into my thing. So it, it, and this really bothered me. So I I recently rewatched both Tim Burton, Michael Keaton movies, um, they're really good. Uh, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the first one later on. But, um, you know, one thing I definitely appreciate about those movies is their unique and iconic style to them. Like they have a style to them that is just so breathtaking and unique and so totally Tim Burton that I can't imagine Michael Keaton's Batman technically taking place in the same universe as Zack snyder's man of steel and that's what this movie's trying to communicate um because really the architecture in tim burton's gotham does not translate to being the kind of uh stuff to being the kind of uh architecture and then man of steel metropolis you know what i'm saying like they don't really fit Um, Now, with that said, you know, you could make the argument, oh, this is a different timeline where Michael Keaton's Batman just so happens to be in a universe where then it turns into Man of Steel uh, Metropolis. It's like, okay, by that logic, then this is not the Michael Keaton we know and love. So what are we truly nostalgic for then? You know, if this isn't the same guy.
1: Why does he say the Michael Keaton stuff?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, so it's like the same guy. So it's essentially the same character, but like in a different universe, in which case, okay, that's not the character we grew up with then. So we don't have any nostalgic attachment to this guy. And yet the movie still wants you to have that nostalgic attachment by playing Danny Elfman's Batman theme like several times in the movie. It's like, okay, You clearly want me to view this guy as the same character, but because you're putting him in a universe that does not mesh well with the original movies that he was in, I don't feel anything because I know now, okay, this is a different character then. So, it's so tonally inconsistent, and no matter how you look at it, it doesn't work. It's like, I know why they brought him back, purely for the nostalgia, but even then, they don't do a good job at establishing that nostalgia you know
1: yeah i think what also doesn't work is how the two those two different batmen are like portrayed in like action scenes Mm -hmm. like in in the original batman he's like very stoic and very brutal with his uh fighting and in this and in the flash he's just like flying and doing quips like before he jumps down that hole in the russian shaft he's just like this is gonna hurt
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's like look Ma- batman 80 michael keaton batman was not really known for his quips like The best thing he ever said, quip wise, was in the second movie when Catwoman went up to him and was like, I haven't eaten all day. And he goes, Eat floor, and like smashes her head on the floor. It's like that was the highlight of Batman quips from Michael Keaton. So he's not known for that kind of stuff. Uh, i think eat floor just is so funny out of context it's so good it's so good and then there's that weird scene when they're in the russian base and like they see that one guy and like bat and like michael keaton batman does like the whole like 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 moves to like scare the guy and he doesn't oh yeah that was like
1: that was like fucking that was so strange yeah it's like so out of character for him
0: yeah it's like unless unless this was a goofier version of the character but again they don't want to necessarily deviate from that because they want you to feel nostalgic for this character. But again, it's not the same character because you're putting him in a different universe. So like it, it's at odds with itself and it can't decide on where to go. And in which case it's stuck in this awkward, not really familiar, just boring version. And also Michael Keaton clearly doesn't want to be there you know he's he's, just like i don't think anyone
1: wants to be you know what? you know who else doesn't want to be there
0: uh well anybody really well michael michael shannon well michael shannon
1: especially just does (laughs) not want to be there
0: look i can badmouth man of steel all the time all day long i do not like that movie at all but there are things i like about man of steel and one of them one of those things is michael shannon as zod like I've, uh, when I rewatched man of Steel* recently, I was like, you know what? I do really appreciate Michael Shannon in this movie because he's clearly giving it his all. He clearly has passion for this character. He he's, he's performing like he's giving this performance and you know, you really feel that. Whereas here in this movie, he couldn't care less to be there. And it's like, okay, that's not Zod. Like Zod he's, played by Michael Shannon is this, insane weirdo who's screaming all the time and in here he looks like he just woke up from a nap
1: so (laughs) he's just
0: yeah and again it's the same thing as michael keaton's batman like yes it is the same actor portraying the same character but that doesn't equal it being the same character because i don't see this new michael keaton or even this new zod because i think yeah i don't see them as the same character as the other versions you know it's the same reason why i don't really see older han or older luke as those characters that i grew up with in the star wars sequels like
1: yeah it's it's just like the the different writers have just like made their versions of that character, which yeah. just doesn't
0: mesh well with the other incarnations. Exactly. There has only been one time that I can think of where a character returns to a role 20 years later and I can, st- and I still, and I feel like they still got it. And that is Willem Dafoe in no way home. The absolute second I saw him when he showed up in no way home, I'm like, God damn it. That's Norman Osborne. That is the only time that has ever happened that it actually worked other times it's just the actor coming back being like yep i'm here and you're just supposed to buy it as the same character it it never works yeah he is (sighs) uh uh
1: there was also the the one scene i also thought was really good though i think it was the best scene in the movie was probably the end scene where barry says bye to his mom like in a a movie that just doesn't in a movie that just doesn't have any like good drama it has like a (laughs) that scene like just weirdly works and it's like weirdly it's I'm not gonna cry over it like Mm -hmm. come on but it's like weirdly
0: emotionally it works it's (sighs) I mean here's the thing there are some really good scenes in theory in this movie I like the idea that there is two Barry's. Like, one of them is the older version, and then the other one is the younger version. And I like how they're kind of clashing, because Barry, the older version, he's been kind of like this childish character. I mean, well, cl- childish in quotes in these movies, you know, as childish as the DCEU would allow him to be. But, like, now, when he's dealing with the younger version of himself, you kind of see him starting to mature obviously none of this is translated very well and i'm kind of pissed because well that's not necessarily the movie's fault it is because it's not written well but like you definitely feel like because the older movies were also terrible that like it didn't really have a lot to work with and i and i will agree though that last that that scene where he sees his mom for the last time it's like in any other movie in a much better written movie yes this scene would hit much harder but i can i can see what it's going for but again because the rest of the movie is just not there yet i don't feel like it's earned at it all and so it's just kind of like this weird goodbye scene and you're just like i should feel something but i don't and yeah it's
1: like Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: I'm just, no, I mean, I'm just saying like, it's just this weird scene that like, I don't feel anything for it. And so, you know, I'm kind of left just scratching my head at it, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like a scene that was like shot way before with like a complete, more tonally appropriate script. Mm -hmm. And after all the reshoots and all the different stuff, they kept the scene as is. So it yeah. just makes the whole thing so jarring.
0: Well, the other frustrating thing about that scene is, well, there's a couple of things. One, it was spoiled in their Mother's Day uh, marketing for the movie where they're just oh, like, oh, yeah, that
1: was like, what the yeah. hell?
0: <laughs> Tell your mother you love her. And it's just the scene of her. And it's just and then you watch the movie and you're like, you motherfuckers, this is supposed to be a a scene in the climax. And you just ruined it like you're ugh, so stupid. But also it's just like, OK, barry goes back and goes back to fix everything to put the tomatoes back it's like okay so now you he's learned not to mess with the timeline but he still talks to her it's like okay that's still messing with the timeline barry like did the movie learn nothing are we like there's there's also another like massive massive plot
1: hole in the in the thing so like remember how like in the store the tomatoes were on like the bottom shelf and they couldn't like place the dad there because he could he he couldn't look up at the camera. Yeah. So that means that Barry moved the cans of tomatoes from the bottom shelf to the top shelf, thereby messing with time again. And there's and there's another part in the in the grocery store where he looks up directly at the camera so <laughs> and so there's
0: and, yeah and, and the movie he, never
1: I, calls that out like and after the movie like when they're in the courtroom uh they have like the tape of the they have the security tape from the store you you would think that they would see young, they would see Barry there and just be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, like what the fuck? Like wh- <sighs> this is so stupid and uh, and also like you know, Barry knows not to mess with time because well, he had this spiel with uh Ben Affleck at the beginning like, you know, he's telling him, hey, don't mess with time uh and yet he still does it but also like he learns halfway through the movie like oh this batman also had an alfred which means you know fate so like the theme of the movie is you some things you just can't change there's there's fate you have to take into account sometimes just things will never play out the way you want them um in which case you know you learn you can't mess with time but like halfway through the movie he has that scene where he's like hey you had an alfred too i guess that means you guys were always destined to be together no matter what universe it is maybe that's fate and then during the climax when he realizes he can't defeat uh zod and and his army he and he can't save batman or supergirl that's when he's that's when he decides to then be like oh it was fate it's like motherfucker you figured this out halfway through the movie but you're reflecting on it now christ.
1: like my brother in christ you came to this conclusion 50 minutes ago
0: exactly <laughs> like what the uh, uh, and i get it like they want that scene so then he can be like oh you had an alfred too like to remind michael keaton of why he was batman but then it's like Again, like you're giving him you're letting him figure out the theme, but then he doesn't reflect upon it until halfway through. That's terrible, terrible screenwriting. Like that's not how you do it. Ugh. It's 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 so broken. Speaking of broken, we might as well talk about the climax when mm-hmm. every other character comes in the multiverse, right? <laughs> like, All right. that's why this movie was made. It was that very specific sequence. That's why this movie was made. So they could have other characters show up from other DC properties. And it's It's, embarrassing. (laughs) It's it's
1: probably why it's probably the first scene that was written for the movie.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the frustrating thing. It's like, okay, this is the scene I was expecting from this kind of movie. It's like immediately once Ezra Miller started going on a crime spree and Warner Brothers was doubling down on it. It's like, okay, they're going to make something like this multiverse scene. They're going to have a scene where like. I don't know. The flash is like running through different timelines and he sees and he like ends up in like different DC properties. Isn't that going to be funny? But this movie doesn't do that. What happens is so he, the way he runs through time is he runs in this Coliseum like thing where like all the rows are like different moments in time, which is really strange, but okay, whatever, I'll allow it. But then he can see other worlds being ripped apart and that's what the multiverse is is like you can like there's like these different globes of different timelines and they're being ripped apart and so then the characters can like look on and that's all it is is just characters looking on at barry in the multiverse like, what? That's your. We're all just that's your staring res- at him. That is your response to No Way Home? Like, are you kidding me? Like, that is unbelievably lame. <laughs> like, no, no
1: Way Home had toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, all these different great characters. What did this movie have? Nick Cage, Superman.
0: <laughs> like,. It's mind-boggling. So there's that scene where, like, you know, you go into the Christopher Reeve Superman world, and Christopher Reeve Superman—sorry, actually CGI Christopher Reeve Superman—because remember the dude's dead. Um, just he like flies over to the t- space-time continuum hole that's ripping in his reality. Then Helen Slater, Supergirl—sorry, CGI Helen Slater, Supergirl—also flies over because. Remember, they're in the same universe, even though they've never interacted with each other. And they just stare at this hole with indifference. It's like, my (laughs) God, you don't understand these characters at all. Like, you have this world-ending scenario where your universe is just ripping apart and imploding on itself. And all you have this very heroic, very likable character do is stare on an indifference. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's Christopher Reeve. He's not alive anymore, so you can't do anything with him. But, like, that begs the question, why is he here? And then you have Adam West Batman, who's just kind of there in his universe. He, he looks on with like, indifference. Often
1: the, he's just off in often his little globe thing.
0: Yeah. And then Nick Cage Superman. Sorry, CGI Nick Cage <laughs> Superman is fighting a giant spider and then he looks on with indifference
1: it's like i'm just so confused out of all the fucking unmade dc properties they went with nick cage
0: superman i mean look i would have preferred if they just had nick cage play a role in this movie like as superman like that would have been funny but no that that requires effort and they just wanted to go with the path of least resistance so they're like hey Nick Cage can we use your likeness for a movie and he's like yeah okay whatever I'm too busy filming uh, Willie's Will- Will- Wonderland at the moment I'm, and I'm so too they busy
1: just... filming Renfield 2
0: yeah <laughs> Renfield 2 so then they just put his face on the CGI body and then he looks on again with indifference and then George Reeves Superman shows up hey for you kids out there who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about in the 1940s and 50s they did serials on Superman, and the actor who played him was a guy named George Reeves, And he who was unfortunately murdered. was who unfortunately might have killed himself in 1959. You want to know what day in 1959? <laughs> June 16th, exactly the day that the Flash came out in theaters in 2023. They yeah. they, <laughs> they they released a movie that has a CGI'd George Reeves, a man who might've killed himself over being incredibly depressed after having being typecasted as Superman. And now he's forever. He's for, (laughs) he is forever in, in this movie as a CGI'd Superman. You, you can't make this shit up. It is, it is. I, I'm, Speechless. I am it speechless at the lack of self awareness here. I, it's it. It is this year's Chippendale, where they just incre- they just mock the death of some actor who died tragically. Now, much like Chippendale, I highly doubt this was intentional. I highly doubt Warner Brothers intentionally did this with malintent against George George Reeves, but. It is still such a lack of self awareness that you're just like, this is incredible. You are just batting a thousand here, Warner Brothers. How did you? How could you have been so ignorant? It's, oh my it, god.
1: <laughs> you know they. You know they were supposed to. Re- they were originally going to release this like a week later, and then they moved it back up to the sixteenth.
0: I, I can't. I can't. It's just all so they had funny. to do was
1: just wait a week, and they. Yeah
0: it's just how how does this happen uh, how does this happen this embarrassingly like again this is your response to no way home just a bunch of dead actors looking on from a bunch of cgi like uh trick serial balls like it's what are you doing like this is not what people want to see like if you're going to include other dc characters do so In a very unique sort of way. But no, they do it in the lamest way possible. I would have
1: loved a whole movie where Nick Cage Superman takes Michael Keaton's role, honestly. If anything. (laughs) That that would have been different. Yeah,
0: if anything. Look, I'm not saying, you know, these, like, I'm not saying these cameos uh, should have been in the movie. Obviously, you want to write a good story, first of all. I'm just saying... There's better ways to do this. Like, I would not be this pissed off um, had I not seen something like No Way Home. Like, No Way Home showed me that you can write a good movie and have incredibly obvious fan service. Like, you can have the best of both worlds.
1: There's also Spider-Verse. Well, Spider-Verse, yeah, Spider-Verse,
0: exactly. That's an even better example, and especially because this came out around the time of Across the Spider-Verse, which is even more unfortunate. (laughs) Like, Across the Spider-Verse knew how to implement its cameos better than this movie did. Um, It's, like, yeah, if anything, yeah, you would write them in more clever ways, but they didn't. And you know what? It wouldn't be such a problem also, because that you know they CGI'd all these cameos with because Adam West is dead, Christopher Reeve is dead, fucking George Reeves is Reeves is dead. Like these these actors are long gone, and yet they felt the need to include them. Out of all other actors, you could have implemented. It's just like, uh, like literally, it's just so confusing. So confusing, but so hilarious at the same time like i am just baffled by this movie and its constant need to just fuck up like not only was it a fuck up before it even came out like i like even before this movie came out i knew this was going to be a gigantic clusterfuck but now we get to see this as a gigantic clusterfuck in real time and you're just like wow this was basically just time and punishment that simpsons chaos of horror short but much much worse <laughs> like uh i i'm just i'm so baffled i'm so speechless um uh um, is there anything else you wanted to say i feel like there's a couple of things i guess i could mention there's um, <clears throat> there's also um dark flash which so, is probably the f- the lamest
1: villain i've ever seen
0: yeah I mean, so any
1: fucking superhero movie.
0: So obviously this is sort of based off of flashpoint and the main villain of that is reverse flash, but reverse flash never plays a role in this movie. Cause I guess that was too much work and effort. So they make it dark flash, which I kind of figured it was going to be future Barry, you know, like, especially like when young Barry like is like going back and he starts like getting shit, like stabbed through him. It's like, Oh, okay. So he's Dark Flash, and then he just reveals himself, and he's just like this dude who's like covered in all this shit, and he has purple eyes. That wasn't Ezra Miller, though, was it? Like, wh- I don't who was that
1: know. Guy? I don't. I, I think it was, and they just applied some light makeup and did some aging digitally. Yeah, but like, like it. Like, with how much they're willing to bring back actors from the dead with CGI and CGI, all of this, I wouldn't be shocked if they just digitally aged Ezra Miller by like 50 years.
0: Yeah. I just, it was, conf- it was, so like, I knew what they were doing, but I was still confused by how they were doing it. Cause it's just like, I, come on, guys. Like, and I feel like it could work. Like, the whole, you know, future villain. I saw someone mention this. This is pretty much just the same twist as Lightyear. Um, oh, my God. I'm going to be no. completely honest. I think this movie does it a little better, though, because I feel I can buy Ezra Miller's Flash becoming the villain later down the line. So, like, whereas yeah, Lightyear it completely came out of nowhere. So, good job, Flash. You did something better than Lightyear, I suppose. Woohoo. <laughs> like, yeah good yeah pat yourself on the back for that one
1: <laughs>
0: but You're like just
1: slightly better than light year yeah slightly Great. better than
0: light year good job <laughs> uh i liked uh well i liked at first the idea that like oh ha this universe is different than yours because Eric Stoltz plays Marty McFly and it's like, Oh, that's a funny one-off joke. But then they kept pushing it and it's like, and he's like, no, Eric Stoltz is not Marty McFly. And like, like they have the whole, this whole five minute scene of them arguing. And it's like, Barry, you're at a computer. Just look up back to the future. And you'd see that it says Eric Stoltz, but no, he looks at a guy's tattoo on his shin. That's of Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. And that's how he's convinced. It's like, okay. You had the most obvious time travel joke in the world, and you still fucked it up. Like, how do you do that? (laughs) Like,
1: That's like a magical kind of, just like, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: Again, I know the joke going in, because guess what? I am a huge Back to the Future fan. Like, I get the joke, and you still treated me like a dumbass, like I wouldn't get the joke by over-explaining it. It's like, I get it. Eric Stoltz is Marty McFly. I get it. I, oh it's so stupid it's like haha ha, you don't have to keep pushing it and make it a five minute scene of an argue of you arguing with other people it's just like and again you're at a computer just look up back to the future and see that it's eric stoltz it's like okay now i understand it's a different universe but it's so easy and they screw it up so badly
1: I think it's just like, also Barry would know that this was supposed to be like an alt. no wait, No, he wouldn't.
0: Well, even then it's just like, okay. Like if he's, if like other Barry is so sure about it, like he has to understand that, Oh, maybe some things are different here. Like you kind of like, I don't know. Like, it's just such an easy thing to figure out, but like, they still make it into a five minute scene of him trying to figure it out. It's like, dude, Like, come on, keep up. Like I, as the audience member know it's different immediately when he says Eric Stoltz, it's like, oh, this is a different universe. And you know, my, the cogs in my wheels are able to figure that out pretty simply. And again, because I'm a major back to the future fan, I know that yes, originally Eric Stoltz was going to play Marty McFly. They filmed for five weeks. They still didn't, they didn't like how it was looking. And so they immediately replaced him with Michael J. Fox because Michael J. Fox was always supposed to be Marty McFly, but because of his scheduling conflicts with Family Ties, I believe it was, he wasn't able to get the role originally. But then, once they actually were able to strike a deal, then on the weekends he filmed Back to the Future, and during the week he filmed Family Ties. I'm sorry I'm going on this tangent on Back to the Future lore, but again, like the movie is a better movie than the flash (laughs) the
1: the movie went on a weird tangent about back to the future too so
0: yeah exactly
1: why can't why can't you
0: you know a good point good point uh the last thing i have in my notes here is uh i like the idea of the tooth coming back at the end when like it just falls out of them (laughs) oh yeah that's a great ending shot especially if this is like one of the last dceu movies it's like what a great way just the flash getting his tooth knocked out and smiling is i mean the last i think the last shot is just aquaman lying drunk in the puddle that in, the, too. in a
1: puddle on the street
0: yeah that too i'll get you know what either way it works as an ending for this franchise just embarrassing it's weirdly fitting yeah oddly fitting just embarrassing all the way through <laughs> um, uh What a movie! Um, Uh, Just, just so much to. There is a lot, yes, and i i i feel like there's a lot more I could go into and dissect, but like, I've only seen this movie once. Um, but like, I can still just I'm still like wrapping my head around a lot of these choices. And yes, it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but I love that it's this bad. You know, like. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like I can't stop thinking about it. And it's something I want to experience again and again, just to see like how baffling it is. It's no Morbius by any means. Like Morbius is its own failure. And I love that movie with all my heart because of how much of a failure it is. But I feel like this is also in its own realm. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like oh, it's just
1: like, they're both spectacular failures in different ways. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like I feel like Morbius had nothing going for it and that and but like it still tried it tried compensating and so then it tried to really try obviously in all the wrong ways. And so then it just became this clusterfuck that you just can't help but be fascinated by. Whereas, I just
1: I just realized that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just gonna say, and then whereas the Flash is, you know, I feel like the Flash had more at its disposal. It had more cameos. It had more fan service. It had a bigger budget, I would imagine. And yet, there,
1: yeah, it did.
0: <laughs> and yet, it feels even emptier than Morbius did. Like, and also, I feel like Morbius was easier to follow. Like, it's uh, I. Like it's it just it has a lot more going for it. But even still, like Morbius did not have the Ezra Miller controversy attached to it, whereas this movie does, and I feel like that adds on a whole other level of failure to it, and that just makes it it all the more fascinating.
1: Jared Leto is also pretty controversial.
0: Yeah, but Jared Leto didn't really go on a crime spree in Hawaii. He's just a bonafide weirdo, which, I mean, yeah. they all are. He just Like, what has he done? He, sold, he mailed rats to Margot Robbie, and now he's, like, climbing a hotel in Germany, I think.
1: Both movies are just like—both Morbius and The Flash are about just these weirdos who have this—who have the— both movies are about these two weirdos as the stars and they both so happened, just so happened to have Michael Keaton as fan service. That's very true. Very true. <laughs>
0: what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> it's Oh, I, I'm, you can't write this shit. You can't write this shit. It is baffling. I, 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 I don't want to say I love this movie, ironically, just yet, but I'm getting there. Like, the more I think about it, the more fascinated I am by it, that I need to study it. Um, so, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about it before we wrap up on this conversation of The Flash? I mean, what is what else is there to talk about? I know. I, there's just so much. There's so much. Um...
1: I guess I can say it was fun marketing it. No, that's Eesh. true.
0: That's true. That's true. So do you want to get into a little bit of that actually? All right. Um so I work at a trailer house. Uh a trailer
1: house is basically a separate office that uh cuts advertising and trailers and TV spots for uh any entertainment studio like and uh, one of those movies that I was cutting on was The Flash. I saw it probably for the first time like six months ago, mm. and um, you you would not believe like just how fucking weird an experience it was to see th- see this early cut and. Late and then just go on for the past six months seeing every little bit of press coming out about the like every little trailer, every little spot, knowing what's gonna happen in the future. It's just so I can't <laughs> tell you how weird of experience that was.
0: You were uh like the flash looking into the future. <laughs> Literally. He's he's just like me. He's just like me for real. <laughs>
1: uh the movie was pretty fun to market though there's a lot of there was a lot of action to really cut on like uh i think the um the most popular shot was uh that scene where their their feet touch and then they create this like massive explosion in the battlefield yeah that's a cool shot for what it is yeah um
0: that's about all I can say without getting into specifics. Of course. Of course. I mean, cause Ezra Miller's at your house holding a gun up to you. Of course.
1: Yes. Um, he's, he's right here. You want to, t- you want to say something to him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, before we wrap up, let's just tie this back into this podcast. Uh, Whether we would, A, watch it again, and B, own it. Um, What say you, Bamison? Um,
1: Never own it. I've already seen it probably five times at this point,
0: so I think I'm good. (laughs) Would you ever watch it again?
1: Um if i would i would probably be tied down to a chair clockwork orange
0: style (laughs) stop it stop it please i beg you
1: (laughs) yeah you know what
0: i don't blame you
1: (laughs) just like uh let me put this uh me enjoying the vfx
0: yeah (laughs) yeah that's good that's good well as for me I know I just went on a rant talking about how terrible this movie is. I need this on Blu-ray. I need to experience it again. Obviously, not anytime soon. I think I can I think I can wait. You know, I'm not the, the second this comes out on Blu-ray, I am not flocking to Target to buy it, like, you know. You're not flashing to Target. I'm not flashing to Target. I'm not yeah, no. You yeah. <laughs> flash to Target faster than Ezra Miller going on a crime spree when he sees all a Hawaiians. <laughs> no i will not be doing that um i think it has a place in my collection just for the absolute batshit insanity in ensues it's not something i'm definitely gonna go uh, i'm not gonna go out of my way to get it just yet but someday i'd love to revisit this just to see it again and all its shitty glory I will never let Warner Brothers live this one down. Never ever. If I will not let Sony live down Morbius, I will not let Warner Brothers uh live down the Flash. So that's that's where I'm at, for sure. <laughs> uh yeah, it's
1: just so it's <laughs> I imagine people will will
0: still be talking about it in not like the right way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. This is absolutely gonna be something we're gonna remember for years to come i feel like whether or not it'll reach the levels of morbius who can tell but you know it's it's definitely something to uh make fun of for sure (laughs) yeah it's fucking nuts (laughs) yeah well speaking of nuts let's get nuts uh yeah by talking about a real movie hey let's let's talk about a movie that you know is actually real and has this thing called a story and has characters. Uh, I know we just talked about something that claims to be a movie, but let's talk about something real for, for once. Uh, So we watched the flash and to prepare for the flash, uh, we watched Batman 1989, uh, the Tim Burton movie, because I happen to own it on VHS. Yeah, the occasional VHS. The occasional VHS. Well, so here's a weird thing before we get into it. I just want to say I actually do own it also in a Batman collection Blu-ray um, that has, like, all four of the Burton Schumacher Batman movies. And so I do want to eventually return to that Blu-ray to talk about all four of those movies someday. I was not going to make you watch through all four of them, uh To talk about that Blu ray because I figured we would have plenty to talk about with Flash. So, you know, it's just going to be on the Batman VHS today. Um, But we'll get into the VHS specifics later on. Uh, Bamison, what'd you think of Batman 89? I got to be honest, it was was all right, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Um, I've
0: kind of noticed like a lot of you guys aren't really liking this movie that much anymore um because i feel like I, yeah. I think i saw like chaos who i follow he also kind of like gave it like a similar score of like three stars i think that's what you gave it um, yeah which obviously means you guys hate it you know you i hate know, it with six out of ten my... equals zero
1: <laughs> i just i hate it i hate it so much
0: yeah exactly just like how i hate skinnamarank <laughs> <laughs> Oh. yeah no, so i I can kind of see that. I still really like it a lot. um, I can't say this. I can't say i'm like i i will not i'm not one of those people that considers Keaton their first and only batman like I am still very much a hardcore dark Knight trilogy fan um but that's just me because that's what I grew up on, but I feel like there is a lot to appreciate with batman eighty nine but You do kind of have to grow up with it to truly appreciate it, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely also more of a Bale kind of guy.
1: And uh, I think for Batman 89, I think the thing that just doesn't work for me is how much they focus on Vicky Vale. Mm -hmm. I feel
0: like... She's not really interesting of a character. No, she's not. <laughs> Which fun fact? Did you know that Burton got the idea of the character Vicky Vale from the um? I was like one of the Batman serials from the forties. Uh, one of the characters is named Vicky Vale, and she's a journalist. And that's where he got the idea of Vicky Vale because she. I don't think she's an original comic character. I think that's where he got her from. Was like really? I can't remember. I can't remember if it was the batman and robin serial or if it was the batman serial where like he fights the japanese mafia or something i those those serials are for a different episode (laughs) jesus christ yeah but yeah no i that is something i definitely noticed with uh this movie and batman returns but that's a whole other uh episode as well but like especially in this movie yeah batman rarely ever shows up i don't think bruce wayne's the main character you definitely get the feeling that like He's there, but like, I feel like we get a li- little more screen time with vicky We get a little more with that, um, that uh, journalist guy. I forget his name, blanking on it. Oh, yeah. The, the
1: he yeah. had a really funny line of the because of the way he delivered it, but I, I also watched it while I was high. Yeah, so
0: is it the scene where he's like, where like he's he goes to like the uh, cartoonist who draws him like the Batman? He's just like, oh, what a dick. <laughs> i think it was yeah knox it was alexander knox the journalist who's just like what's this batman guy um you even get more of the joker i feel like in this movie because yeah the joker is like the high the the best part of the movie definitely yes because it's jack nicholson Um, it's jack nicholson and he does a great job he's that's what i love about like these different interpretations of joker like you definitely get the like the best jokers are obviously very unique, but they still get that Jokerness down a lot. And I feel like that's what I like about Jack Nicholson's Joker, is that he's he definitely plays more into like the gangster side of Joker, but like he still has like a sense of humor, he still has that weird smile, like he still has the the white and the green. Like it's it still works, you know? He's got the laugh down perfectly. Oh, the laugh like, is so beautiful. I love it like so the much. Sea-
1: Like the scene where he first uh, sees his face with the surgeon and he like slams the mirror down. Yeah.
0: Like that, that was genuinely pretty creepy. It was really creepy. I love that scene because it's parodied in a Simpsons episode when Lisa gets braces and she's like the mirror and like she smashes the mirror. (laughs) I always always think of that scene. That's the, the iconic Lisa needs braces uh, episode. Uh sorry, I had to bring up Simpsons again. <laughs> Why would you do this? I know, it's 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 me. But uh we're um, talking about Batman, not yeah. the Simpsons. God. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right though. Like we don't get a lot of Batman in this movie, um even though it's called Batman. Like it's just such a weird choice that these movies make, and especially this one. How like cuz like you don't really Get, we don't really meet Bruce Wayne until like 10 or 15 minutes into the movie. Cause, like, yeah. uh, well, cause, like, we see Batman when he beats up those thugs, but like, we don't see Bruce Wayne for like a while. It's really, yeah, we, don't, weird. we don't see, we don't see Bruce Wayne for the first time till like that party scene, right? Yeah, we don't. Yeah, no, that's when they like show up and she's like, Hey, excuse me, do you know which one is Bruce Wayne? He's just like, Oh, I don't know. Like,
1: yeah, that's oh. the first
0: time we meet him. Um, and it's just really, again, like it, it, would I wouldn't necessarily mind if the characters we did get, you know, if Vicky Vale and Alexander Knox were a little more interesting as characters. And well, c- cause like, I do like the Joker a lot, but like, then we're spending a lot of time with Vicky and Knox I'm fine with, but like, he's not that interesting of a character and especially Vicky who's not like i know kim basinger is trying but like you're just the screaming lady like that that's all you really yeah, are just... lady like there's a reason you didn't come back in batman returns like oh yeah i forgot she wasn't in batman returns she's not very interesting um so like and i get what she's supposed to be she's supposed to be the the audience like you know being this vessel like looking in on this uh bat character but it's like I don't know. It just doesn't work. Like I really feel like this is much better established in something like Batman returns. Like I feel like, uh, Selena Kyle is a much better character to view that kind of stuff through. But again, Batman returns, I could talk about it, but I feel like we should save that for like, you know, a different episode. So I won't mention that here later. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say about Batman is there's some really good lines in this movie. (laughs) um obviously there's the iconic you are my number one guy or i should say it in the nicholson way you are my number one A guy <laughs> like A guy. it's yeah. oh
1: my god it's so there's good. Th- there's the never never rub another man's rhubarb
0: which i still don't understand <laughs> that line has never left my head ever since i first realized what he said i'm like what the fuck does that mean? Never rub another man's rhubarb. I, to this day, I still, it lives in my head rent free. I'm just like, what did he mean by that? What is happening what do- in the scene?
1: What does he mean? <laughs> someone, should, someone should make like those, um, You know, the, does he know, or what was he cooking thumbnails? (laughs) Someone should make them for Jack Nicholson
0: Joker and just put, like, what did he mean? What did he mean by never rub another man's rhubarb? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, oh, God, it's such a good, such good lines in this movie. I love them so much.
1: It's perfectly corny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I feel like it is strange like when it is kind of boring when we are focusing mainly on vicky but like there is that comic book corniness that i feel like does transcend through um and i feel like burton was like the perfect director for this kind of version of batman and that's what i like about this movie is that it has the batman mythos pretty well but like It also feels like a Burton movie, you know, with, like, the Danny Elfman score and the weird shots. There's this really cool shot that they use a lot in the the Burton movies is when, you know, you're looking straight up at the sky and you can see the bat signal. And, like, the buildings are kind of curved in a way that just looks like they're, like, falling, like... You know, like, the shots I'm trying to talk about, like, they're, they're just shot really strangely, but, like, it's that warped um, perspective that I feel like Burton really nails, and I really yeah, like I need, I need to
1: see a picture. I need to see a picture of that or something. Yeah,
0: it, it, it happens a couple of times in these movies, but, like, especially in this one, like, it looks really interesting, because, like, it doesn't make any sense, like, visually, but it's striking nonetheless, and I really like yeah. that. Um. um... It kind of reminds me of, you know, like the whole Burton and Batman kind of coming together. It reminds me of when Wes Anderson made Fantastic Mr. Fox, because like that's a very good adaptation of the story, but it's still quintessentially a Wes Anderson film. So, like, I feel like that movie is kind of like that, where it's like it's a neat Batman adaptation, but it is quintessentially a Tim Burton movie. Um, or with Dune, like uh, how it's a great adaptation of the book, but it's still a Denis Villeneuve movie. That's another great example. Yeah, exactly. I love when movies can have the best of both worlds. Because guess what? They can. Wink, wink. Flash twenty twenty three that had no personality. <laughs> that had no that had no characteristics of Andy Muschietti. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, you say Vicky Vale is not something you're not you're pretty much not a fan of um were there other things that kind of bothered you about this movie i think the fight choreography was kind of like i get i get it was like
1: i get it it wouldn't be like like dark knight good Mm -hmm. but there were there was scenes where it would just be like like, that scene I described in my Letterboxd review that where you have this, <laughs> you have Batman in a clock tower, and then this guy jumps from behind and fall, misses him <laughs> and falls through the floor. <laughs> I don't get what the
0: point of that was. I love that shit. Yeah, it's it's so funny. It's like something out of a Looney Tunes cartoon, how the guys are screaming, <laughs> and then he just falls through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he didn't which even touch
1: yeah Batman he just like stepped to the side yeah just
0: fucking... <laughs> yeah it is jarring for sure and I feel like I, I can I can kind of see though yeah like action like that obviously that one example is a great example of this working and being really funny but I can definitely agree that like the action beside that is like weird and clunky and kind of awkward and the bat suit is also very weird and clunky and kind of awkward when you look at it like i like the grunginess of it but at the same time it does look a little weird and wonky at times and you're just like how does he realistically move like that you know like
1: yeah like i think it's just another thing about the movie is just how he can't turn his head
0: yeah i like he I, has to I like it sort of that he can't turn his head but it is like you do have to question it like okay why like why did he why design, his design suit like why would that, you then? design like yeah. this?
1: like especially comparing it to like the Nolan Batman suit that's mm-hmm. that looks like it that looks authentically like it can stop bullets and really fuck you up if the right person was wearing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. With
1: this one I'm just like there's no way that this spandex
0: looking it's spandex it's literally spandex yeah it does not look like it could stop a bullet for sure yeah no i know exactly what you mean yeah no i think that is kind of the big thing with this movie is that like you really did have to grow up with it um which i sort of did um i don't know when was like the first time you watched it would you say i think the first time i watched it was I watched
1: it pretty late so I probably watched it for the first time in quarantine in 2020. Okay. Okay. So I didn't I didn't really gr- I remember seeing clips of like Jack Nicholson's Joker and I remember the the nostalgic critic Diet Coke commercial for Diet like, Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But I didn't like actually experience it for the first time till like 3 years ago
0: okay yeah no i totally get that yeah it is a very weird movie um and that's the thing with tim burton is that you know we've really idolized early tim burton as like this flawless stuff and then like later on that's when he started making the bad shit but like you there are some really weird movies in his filmography even early on like edward scissorhands i've never really been a fan of Beetlejuice is kind of weird like and even Batman Returns was just such a weird movie like when it first came out so like Burton has always had kind of a strange filmography for sure Um, he's always been a weird guy yes he's always been been a weird guy that much we know but I'm talking like the movies themselves are kind of told weirdly where you're just like this is not that great when you get down to it obviously he has some really good stuff. Uh, have you ever seen, like, Ed Wood, the movie with Johnny Depp? I, I need to see that. Oh, it's like, so I, he- good. I heard it's really good. That I would consider, like, my favorite Tim Burton movie. Like, it's really, really good. Because, like, it feels like a love letter to this person that Burton clearly loves and respects. But, like, it is also, like, a good, like, uh, Tim Burton movie. And how it, like, it's told weirdly and it's shot weirdly. But, like, weird in a good way. Um, And so I feel like there are some of those early Burton films that probably just don't work for everybody. Like I just said, like I would say Edward Scissorhands is like my uh, version of what you would say is like Batman 89. Like you understand why it works, but like you're not really – emotionally connected to it as much i
1: think edward scissorhands is kind of weird in like it's been a while since i've seen it so Mm -hmm. i need to watch it again in order to get an opinion but i remember liking
0: it like Mm -hmm. there's charlie and the chocolate factory which i wasn't (laughs) a fan of (laughs) yeah that nightmarish movie oh i i it it occurred to me uh within the past couple of years i'm just like when I rewatched it, like, I can't remember when, but, like, a couple of years back, I rewatched it as an adult, and I'm like, oh my god, this movie scarred me in some ways. Like, how did I watch this as a child and still remain <clears throat> relatively normal? <laughs> like,
1: like, I watched, I grew up with the Gene Wilder version, and yeah. this one was just kind of,
0: what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I grew up with both as well. I definitely appreciate Gene Wilder's version as, like, an actual movie, whereas... Tim Burton's movie, I appreciate as like a psychotic breakdown sort of way. You know how you're just like... I, anybody who watches this could probably have a mental breakdown just watching it because it's just so weird and out there. But yeah, totally. Um, um Then there's Corpse Bride, which mid eh, did. Yeah. Never really been huge Al- in Corpse Bride. Alice in Wonderland. How, how does this have a 3.1 on Letterboxd? Uh, this was probably when people... I mean, to be fair, it was made before the whole Disney live action remakes. And so, like, I guess people were willing to forgive this. They were not as harsh towards it. And also, you know, Tim Burton still had some sort of good graces with the public. So they were willing to forgive it. I don't know. Like, I'm sure a bunch of, you know, Tumblr girls at the time were just like, sweet, a new movie to make my entire personality. Um Oh I my know.
1: god, a new a new goth emo boy to obsess over. <laughs> yeah.
0: D- uh okay. <laughs> There's like about there about a million others you could have chosen from. <laughs> but, but, I think yeah, I think my favorite I think my favorite Tim Burton movie would probably be Sweeney Todd. Mm, I still haven't seen that one. I've heard sort of mixed really things on it, but genuinely gen- generally good stuff. I really liked it. Mm. Like it was I
1: like I don't think um, you see Tim Burton go full gore. Mm. This movie, he goes full gore.
0: Ooh. Have you ever seen uh, Sleepy Hollow? Uh, No, I haven't. Okay. That one's got some really good gore in it from what I remember. Um, And onto the watch list it goes. Yeah, no, I totally recommend. I need to rewatch that uh, movie someday uh, and compare it to like the Disney Sleepy Sleepy Hollow because I feel like both of those movies are really cool in their own way um but anyway batman um i mean <laughs> is there really anything else you have to say about batman uh,
1: um oh yeah there was prince
0: oh yeah like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um i was never listened
0: to prince that much so i can't really i don't really have an opinion <laughs> yeah i've never really been huge on prince either like i like some of the songs i've heard from him like little red corvette when doves cry like i like those songs but i can't really say i adore them so uh but yeah no he made songs for the movie because i guess he wanted to isn't there didn't he like dresses like batman and the joker at the same time and like did a music video for this movie wait what <laughs> am i remembering that correctly i i feel yeah, like i have I a-, a memory of like him like being like in sort of like a two-faced fashion where like one side of him is the Joker. The other side is Batman. I might be making no, that Yeah, up. he did that. He oh, he did. did. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. And oh, yeah, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so what an, yeah. typical. <laughs> what an interesting, what an
1: interesting guy.
0: Yeah. What an interesting guy. Um. All right, Jeff anything else before i get into this vhs tape because i have a couple of things i want to mention about it not really no talk about the occasional vhs all right well the occasional vhs tape so first off i just want to say the design of the box is really cool because it's literally just the bat symbol in this like completely black background and that's it it doesn't say batman it doesn't say like who's in it it's just the bat symbol like it's brilliant marketing. I would say like obviously on the sides, it says Batman and it advertises Nicholson and Keaton being in the movie. Um, but like the full cover is just nothing but the bat symbol. It's really, really cool. Um, and the, the VHS does come with commercials at the beginning, uh, two different ones. So one was a diet Coke commercial with Alfred. It's not the one that nostalgia critic talked about. Um, but it's one where, like, he's still, like, driving to, like, go pick up a shipment of Diet Coke. And Alfred's, like, on the phone with somebody who's just like, yes, Mr. Wayne is on his way to pick up the Diet Coke. And, like, you know, Alfred's, like, drinking a Diet Coke while he's on the phone. It Really <laughs> strange. It's like, okay, well, now I guess a bunch of Batman fans are going to go and buy Diet Coke. Good, good job. Diet Coke. <laughs> Diet Coke. Yeah. Um, and here's another really interesting commercial that has on there. So it has a commercial with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, voiced by Mel Blank. And you can tell because it he sounds really old and it's really depressing. But he's basically advertising a Warner Brothers hat. So, okay, let me explain. There's this toll-free number that they advertise where they say, like, oh, call in and get a bunch of Warner Brothers merch or whatever. But then they really want to push this Warner Brothers cap, like, this hat you wear, and then you can wear it whenever you watch Warner Brothers movies on VHS. It's really strange. So then, like, and Daffy's, like, really, really hard-pressed about this hat that you have to wear when watching Warner Brothers movies. First of all, who in the hell, like actively wears a hat while watching a movie like that's just strange to me but also he he even says he's just like no pause the vhs go and call this number and buy this hat and it's like okay i'm gonna pause the movie buy this hat wait a couple of days for the hat to be shipped to me actually this was back in the day it probably would have taken weeks so like like can i watch my fucking movie without having to wear this this hat like and guess what? This was years ago. This toll number probably doesn't work. So it's like, okay, if I pause the movie, I'm going to be waiting for months for the stupid fucking hat. It's like, I I have to watch this movie now for the podcast, Daffy. Like, I have to. Don't. Stop it. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't
1: want your shitty, I don't want your shitty hat.
0: <laughs> I don't want your shitty hat. I mean, I do, but, like, I don't want it at the moment. But you're telling me I can't watch this movie unless I have this stupid hat? Like, ugh. It's really, really bizarre. Those were the only commercials that played before the movie. It was really bizarre. The Warner Brothers hat stays on during sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was I also, weirdly enough, have this movie's score on CD. Um, yeah, no, it's the Danny Elfman score. And I listened to it yesterday and, oh, brother, it's really cool. I love the, um cover it has on the CD cuz it's literally the shot of like the bat uh the the bat uh ship just like flying up in front of the moon for like that split second and oh yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool shot and I like that it's the cover of the CD. So um but yeah, I'm keeping the CD cuz I love this movie score, really good music by Danny Elfman and I'm keeping the VHS. Like it's a really neat bit of uh old nostalgia like it's a neat time capsule to like how they marketed this movie back in the day i love the i love the cover i think it's a really cool cover of just the bat symbol in this black background it's really really cool um you know it doesn't look great on vhs quality obviously no movie looks great on vhs cuz it's it's vhs it looks like dog shit but you know i do have the blu ray that blu-ray pack with this movie on it and i'll probably talk about that at a later date someday but for now i like having this movie on vhs i think this is a really cool vhs and yeah it's it has a place in its in my collection for sure
1: if they if they wanted to market the flash properly they would have just had the the bat symbol on a poster and then just and then just in red comic sans the flash
0: (laughs) i mean that's basically what they did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. Anything last minute before we call it a day, Bamison? Mm, nothing. Nothing.
1: I got nothing. I got nothing.
0: All right. That's totally fine. Um, well, then, this is the part of the show where we wrap things up. So, dude, shout out your stuff. Where can people find you? I'm on YouTube and letterboxed
1: at Mr. Bamison. And, uh, yeah, I've got. Lit-
0: I've got literally nothing going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, no future movies you got to edit trailers for? I get that. <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> oh, T- twiddling my fingers in excitement. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, That's okay. Your links will be in the description below. Hey, thanks for coming on and talking about The Flash and Batman. You know, it's there was nobody else I could have brought on to talk about this, really. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: So. Uh, it was good to it was good to be back
0: yeah totally 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 you could have
1: just you could have just cgi'd me in there
0: that is true i do have the technology to do that um i don't oh <laughs> 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 uh, well, yeah thanks for coming you on just Just have me staring blankly at you. Just like,
1: so what did you, so what did you think of the flash?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Just staring (laughs) on with indifference as your, your universe just completely collapses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. So yeah. Thanks for coming on and thank you, the listener for listening to this podcast. Uh, If you want to support the show, give a like, give a comment. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or YouTube is fine too. You know, wh- whatever. It's not, not a big deal, anyhow. But yeah, thanks for watching, and always remember never, under any circumstances, rub another man's rhubarb. Never. <laughs>
1: So you see your mind? you see your mind?